a reading from the book of Numbers, chapter 21, verses 4 to 9. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses, saying, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. A reading from the book of John, chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... So must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light, and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed." But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The book of Numbers in the Hebrew Bible is not especially well represented in the common lectionary. We don't hear much from the book of Numbers, but what we do hear is attention-getting, to say the least. I'm sure that you've heard this story before, and if you haven't, it probably piqued your interest, for sure. The Israelites have been freed from slavery, and they've seen the power of the God of Israel divide the Red Sea into half, and they crossed on dry land to escape Pharaoh's army, and now they have grown impatient. They are tired of waiting, and they're complaining to Moses, 
the one who got them into this mess in the first place. Why have you brought us out in the wilderness to die? There's no food out here, is what they say. But in the same breath, they say they detest this miserable food. And if I was Moses, I would have to have asked them, well, which is it? Is there no food or do you just not like the food you have? With all of this complaining, the Bible says that serpents were let loose, poisonous snakes among the people, and they bit people, and many of them died. This served as a wake-up call to the wilderness wanderers that they had set their sights on the wrong prize. You see, in their wandering and in their sort of uh, self-caused exile from the land of slavery, they had decided it would have been better to just go on back, to return to the situation of enslavement and brutality and murder to which they had apparently grown rather accustomed to living in. After they realize their mistake, mistake, they go to Moses in uh, in true repentance, and God tells Moses to build a serpent of bronze, to lift up that serpent so that whoever sets their sight on that serpent will not be killed by the poisonous serpent set loose among the people. Later in the book of Numbers, you will learn that the people eventually turned this serpent into an idol and began to make offerings to this idol. The very symbol that had been one of their salvation had become one of idolatry. It's really hard for the people uh, in, in these stories to just keep their eyes on God. Symbols of salvation, it turns out, can easily become idols. Which begs the question, what are the idols of the church today? What do church folk lift up today? What are the bronze serpents church folk cling to? Where are the church's golden calves? I know I've seen some churches... Their identity, their history, the way things have always been done, they lift these things up even over the work of the Spirit. Different churches, different people have different vices, of course, different political issues that are their pet projects. Some churches only care about Abortion and gay marriage. Some only care about the Second Amendment and free speech. Some might only care about community organizing and justice issues. Some might only care about who makes the best potato salad. And I won't be getting into that. I won't be getting in 
to any kind of topic about who has the most contribute to contribute to a potluck or who makes the best cookies. It's not a debate we'll have right now because I don't want to lift up the wrong idol. But it's important to know that at one time, the bronze serpent that Moses made and the golden calf had served a reliable purpose for the people, but the people held on to those symbols far past their usefulness. Those symbols, the bronze serpent especially, was meant to point to a coming savior who would also be lifted up to draw all people together. See, sometimes a story is about victory, and sometimes the story is just about survival. And if you get distracted looking for victory, while you should be just trying to figure out how to survive, you might not make it. Because you might be walking in a wilderness full of serpents and where you are right now might not be the place to set up camp. You might need to feel like traveling on a little while before you claim victory. If you are just looking to do what works or what is comfortable, while you should be thinking about how you and your people can survive, you might not make it. Now, the people didn't want to eat this manna. They said that it was detestable. In fact, they said they didn't have any food. Now, if you've read the story, either in Exodus and Numbers, you know that God had provided food for them. And the word manna means, what is it? And I feel like the inflection is built into the word. It's not curiosity. It's that what has been provided is in no way appetizing. Not if you're looking for victory, but if you've ever really been hungry. I don't know who raised y'all, but where I come from, if what was made for dinner isn't appetizing to you in particular, well, then you aren't hungry yet. (laughs) And so a lot of these Israelites, my daddy would say, they must not have been hungry. (laughs) If they don't want the manna, then they don't want to eat. They didn't realize it was only meant to keep them alive in the desert while they were on their way to something better. Just like many people don't want to wear a mask or take a vaccine today, these things are only meant to keep us alive on the way to something better. But even now, half of surveyed Republican men have said they will not get vaccinated. Texas and other states have announced the rolling back of mandates meant to keep control of the spread of what is still a deadly virus that has killed more than half a million Americans. Why? Because they are sick of manna. They don't want this detestable food. They want the food that they're used to, even if it means going back to the land of slavery and death. You see, these wilderness wanderers that Moses was leading around, they were wanting to get back to normal. That is all they really wanted while they were out there following Moses around. Even though they'd seen him do the miracles, and even though they knew it was bad in Egypt, they were just 
looking for some of that fried chicken that we can't have none of this week because somebody picked greasy food for our Lent fasting. Somebody said, well, what are we supposed to eat then? That's what they were saying. There's no food out here if we can't eat the greasy food. But the question I would pose to, to our wilderness wanderers and to us as a church community is why would we want to go back to the old normal when there is a promised land that is waiting for us? Why would we want to go back to the old normal when there is a revelation waiting for us? Why would we want to go back to the old normal when there is healing waiting for us? Why would we want to go back to the old normal when there is a land of flowing with milk and honey waiting for us? Why would we want to go back to the old normal when there is justice rolling like rivers and righteousness flowing like an ever flowing stream waiting for us? Why would we go back to the old normal when there's healing waiting for us, when there is liberation waiting for us, when there is world-changing power waiting for us? Why would we want to go back to the old normal? Do you believe there's more waiting for us? Or are you sick of this manna? If you aren't sick of the manna and you're feeling like traveling on, then I know some of you have already decided to step forward as a part of our leadership team that's going to be talking strategically and smartly about what it means to lift up Jesus what it means for us specifically as a community, what it means for you and I as individuals and together to lift up Jesus, just like Moses lifted up the serpent and just like Christ was lifted up on the cross. How will we most lift up Jesus? Tonight we'll, we'll host this call with our leadership team and with uh, Paul Nixon of the Epicenter Group. And we'll start the discussion about how exactly that can happen. We'll review what the last 10 years of ministry of this church has looked like. And we'll project 10 years into the future. And maybe you will get some insight into whether or not, uh, as a a community of wilderness wanderers, you are hearing mostly a group of people that says, My Lord and my God, and that is Filling, uh, feeding the community, multiplying loaves and multiplying bread and fish, or whether it sounds more like a community that says, why did you bring us out here to die? We don't have any food and we don't want that detestable food. And it makes a big difference what kind of community uh, it's been over the last 10 years. It makes a big difference where we are right now, who we feel like we are, what we hear from ourselves. It will decide what the next steps are going to look like. It will decide what goals we set going forward. Because we may have been wandering for the last 40 days and 40 nights. It may have been raining We may have gone in circles 
it might have it might have felt like this pandemic quarantine survival has been a a trip of circles but we're going somewhere we have seen growth and healing and the provision of God even over a distance and we have continued to serve the community and we have committed ourselves to spiritual disciplines and we have added a service of prayer and we have made it through uh, so much a spiritual preparation through, through Lent, getting ready for Easter. We have not shirked our duties. We have not buried our talent in the sand. The Spirit is moving in mighty and powerful ways, and now it will be time for us to focus in and truly understand who we are and where we're going. Because there's a land flowing with milk and honey, waiting on people who have had their fill of manna, who kept their eyes on Christ, and are ready to walk forward in faithfulness to do everything that God has called them to do in drawing all humanity together in a beloved community of liberating peace and justice. Amen. I'm so glad that you are here, that you're with me on this message this afternoon, that you have been so faithful in traveling together. Through, uh, and the phrase 40 days, 40 years, in the Bible, uh, it's easy to assume that that is a literal period of time. The Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness wandering. Jesus spent 40 days in in the wilderness fasting. Uh, Noah's Ark at rain for 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, it's it's a, like a colloquial phrase. It just means it was long enough. It's like in a rainy afternoon, it's, it's your friend turns to you and says, "Man, it has been raining forever." Like it's. It's, we get the idea. This, it, we, we're ready for a change. We're ready for something fresh. We're ready to, to start something new. All of that is understood. But we got to do it smart. So keep wearing your masks. Get your vaccines uh, when, and when you can get them. Uh, don't, don't let uh, anybody trip you at the finish line. Because we are, we're right there. The, the light is at the end of the tunnel. We're going to come through this thing in powerful, uh, transformative ways. And I can't wait to see it with you. Uh, if you are with us through, uh, not if you're not with us live, but this is a replay to you, let us leave, leave us a message. Let, let, let us know you were here. I appreciate your presence. Uh, if you want to support the work of our church, uh, my brother Chester will provide a link to Tithely, an app that you can use to set up a recurring donation to our work that will go uh, to fund our ministry work. We still serve the community. We still support our uh, siblings who are in need of food and clothing. Uh, we are we are here to be the hands and feet of Jesus. To do that, it takes people and finances. Uh, if you are able and willing to su- provide either of those, let us know. None of us can do it alone. With all of this being said, I just want to encourage you, 
again, to keep your eyes on Christ. Don't be distracted. We are running a race. Peace be with you. I'll see you next week. Amen.